0: Um, walked out somehow I got a paper cut i don 't even know I was bleeding everywhere i don't know i don 't even even know what that means like right before we walked out so if you see me dabbing myself okay uh, we 're going to look at Colossians this morning together, and uh, I want you to think in terms of it being all about him, not about us, because uh, we live in such a self absorbed society i 'm mindful of the uh, very first line in Rick Warren's purpose driven life book, where he says, It's not about you. And yet, the culture that we live in, we think it's about us. In fact, that's what sin does to us. It causes us to be self focused. And in Colossae, this town, this was a, a very ancient city uh, in Asia Minor. It had already uh, been beyond its prime, but it was still a great city. It was a pagan place. It was a place of uh, new, it was kind of like Asheville, North Carolina, or or Brevard. It was kind of a, a new age. If you go down the, the, one of the streets in Asheville, you can get your palm read, or you can get a psychic reading, or you can get your uh, whatever pierced, and you can you know you can get tattooed. It's just it was just a new age, pagan, spiritual place. Everything everything went on morally. It was a confused place. Uh, spiritually, it was a confused place. Kind of like America, you know. Kind of like the world that you and i live in we sometimes we see stuff on the news and we scratch our head and go can you be serious right so here's this outline and paul even even the other apostles uh, peter in his uh, second letter says paul can be difficult to understand so one apostle is talking about another apostle and there's a lot here and what i'm going to do is try and give you some cliff notes about what it means for you and i to be in him for you and i to live with him and for us to be overcomers. Through him, That's what the outline is about. So just follow this sentence with me. Paul's words, you look on the outline you have in your bulletin, Paul's words call us to a credible faith, a cautionary tale, a con- and a conquering Christ. These are Paul talking to us, and, and there's a lot here. And uh, we're just going to kind of skim over it because I want you to get the bigger picture that St. James is here to minister to you the grace of God, but St. James isn't here for you. And we are St. James. We aren't here for us. We are here for him. We're not even here for the lost. God wants to bring the lost to himself, but we're not here for them. We're here for him. Our worship isn't about what you and I get out of it. Our worship is about what we offer to him. And so when we are in him and with him and through him, We begin to live victoriously in Christ. So he begins here, therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. A credible faith. You and I are called to a credible faith. That means we know what we believe, why we believe it, and that means it's also not something simply cerebral. It says as you have received, past tense, there is a place here that understands that Christianity is not just uh, embracing particular principles or doctrines Christianity is having an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ so if you look there on your outline uh, we just want to kind of skim over these things the necessity of a personal encounter James two nineteen. basically James says you say you believe in God well that's great the demons believe in God that doesn't make anything special about you you believe in God great you're better than an atheist but that doesn't make you a Christian it's like Going to a McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Being in a church pew doesn't make you a Christian. You have to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. John three three. Jesus Himself speaking says to Nicodemus, "You must be born again of the Spirit." And then that's the power and the pattern for everything. As you receive Christ Jesus, it's an imperative: walk in Him. And in fact, just about every Sunday in this place, you will hear us say, "Walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave Himself an offering." And a sacrifice. That word, walk, basically means we want you to live your life in the love of God, as you have received Christ Jesus. Live your life for Him and in Him, properly established in the faith, rooted and grounded. The positive end of all of this is gratitude. I have to tell you that as I was going over this and praying last night, this was the one that really kind of slapped me. And the Greek word there is Eucharistia, where we get Eucharist when we give the great thanksgiving. And I thought, how easy it is for me, Lord, to stand for the gospel and share the gospel and try to live my life. And all of a sudden, the spirit of gratitude leaks out of me and I'm not feeling very grateful with circumstances of life. And yet the real credible faith is that I feel a sense of gratitude no matter what the world is throwing at me. But that's not the only thing. We've got to have a credible faith. We know what we believe. We know why we believe it. And we've had a personal relationship encounter with Jesus Christ. And we're walking in him. Not by our own strength, but in him. But there's also a cautionary tale here that was read just a moment. Look at verse 8. And this is all in the the Bible on page uh, 1252 in your pew Bible. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. You know, it, it's often, we, we miss the point throughout Paul's letters that there's a battle going on. There, there's always a battle going on. Christians, we, we want to be comfortable. We, we don't want to, we want to put our heads in the sand and, and think like, oh, just let me just live my little life over here and be comfortable. We can't do that. There is a battle going on. There's a battle going on for souls all around us. There's battle going on for the spiritual life of a parish there's a battle going on in denominations. There's a battle going on for the soul of our nation. There's a battle going on. There's ideologies that are fighting each other. You know, you maybe even hear somebody, or you may even say this yourself, that you can't legislate morality. Well, now, I've heard Arthur say you can't legislate behavior. And That's true. You can't make people behave based on a law. But legislating morality, that's another thing, because every piece of legislation is somebody's morality, is somebody's point of view. There are, there's a war going on in America about what is right and wrong, and Paul is saying that here in Colossae. Say, don't let anyone take you captive. You need to be vigilant. You need to be on guard. Can you imagine what it must be like to live in Israel under constant threat of attack from all sides all the time? But maybe that's a good picture for the Christian because we tend to want to go to sleep. And the reality is, the moment I'm not vigilant, that's the moment the enemy sneaks up and attacks me. Paul uh, says, be vigilant, be, be careful, see to it that no one takes you captive. Peter writes, be sober, be alert. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, uh, the adversary, the devil, is roaming to and fro, always seeking whom he may devour. It's a cautionary tale because there's a war. And it says, don't let them take you captive with philosophy and empty deceit. And you have two things that Paul's addressing in Colossae. There was the prevalent uh, paganism of the day, and there was also the beginning of compromise in the church of basic doctrines, what, what was creeping in what we call today Gnosticism, but kind of spiritualizing and compromising biblical truth. All of that's going on, and he calls it empty deceit. you got to be aware of that. There's the battle out there. When you walk outside these doors, when you walk outside these doors, we send you on mission into a world, and it's a battle. And watch out, because there's empty deceit and there's confusion. And then he says that it's all got to be according to Christ. If you look at the very end of verse 8, according to the elementary spirits of the world, which is paganism and different demonic spirits. No, but according to Christ. Christ is the standard. Who Christ is, what Christ taught, and what people believe about Christ. Do you know that every cult uh, and every false teaching always is centered on the deity of Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who he claimed to be, who he was, what he taught, Even all the moral confusion today in our culture would be back to what did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? Jesus believed that the Bible was the divine word of God. Now, when I say the Bible, for him, it was the Old Testament, the Torah. But everything that was in the Old Testament, the Torah, Jesus believed was the divine word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God, by the word of God. This was Jesus. So Jesus is not only the standard in his living, Jesus is the standard in who he is, and Paul's about to explain that in just a moment in these next few verses, but also he is the standard in what he taught. So this is a cautionary tale. There's a battle going on for who we embrace, whether we embrace Jesus Christ or we embrace the spirits of the age. And then Paul's words call us to a conquering Christ. Paul goes on to say, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Paul says, you want to see God? You look at Jesus. You want to know God? You got to come through Jesus. See, Christianity is not one of the great religions of the world. Jesus didn't give us that option. Christianity is the way, the truth, and the life because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't find God except through Jesus. Anybody that says otherwise, it's a contradiction to the teaching of the faith so if you meet somebody in the in the realm of organized religion christian religion seminary graduate a, a rector a priest a pastor who tells you that there are many paths to god you just run you don't need to be around that person because that person doesn't know the fact of the person of jesus christ he was like how can you be so harsh mark this is not my harshness How can you be so closed-minded? This is not my closed-mindedness. This is Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. Look there on your outline with me. He's the conquering Christ. He conquers death. He conquers hell. He conquers sin. He conquers the spirits of the age. He conquers principalities. He conquers powers. He is the head. Muhammad doesn't do that. Buddha doesn't do that. Moses doesn't do that. Confucius doesn't do that. Only Jesus Christ is the one who conquers, and he conquers, and we conquer in him. He is the full revelation of God, is what Paul says here. He is the full renewal of man. He is, brings the full removal of death. He brings the full resurrection of life. He is everything. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, we need to recapture the the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as the only way. Because the only hope for our nation is for an awakening of the lordship of Jesus Christ. A full revelation of God. A full renewal. If you look down there in verse uh, 10, You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule. Verse 10. And that phrase, you have been filled in him, uh, also means you have been made complete in him. You've been filled with God. You know the end of God's purpose for your life is, is not outward success or that just simply when you die, you go to heaven? Uh, this, is, this is the other thing. that with The gratitude thing was hitting me last night, and this is the other one that was hitting me. God's desire for you and for me is that we be filled with God. Not just that we get a little bit of God so we can squeeze in for eternity. Get in when we die, give our ticket, maybe we get in. God wants you to be filled with him now. And in fact, that's how you get filled with him. It's in Jesus. In him is the fullness of God. And then the fullness of God that's in Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives it to you and to me. And then full removal of death. All of this discussion. We don't have time to go into all the doctrine of circumcision. But the point being is cutting away the old man. That cutting away the death of the dying sinful nature. And giving us new life in Jesus Christ. Raised with him. Raised from the dead. He was raised and we are raised in him. Then that moves right into we are raised with him. Then we have this picture of baptism. So we are buried with Christ in his death. The conquering Christ, we are in him. The conquering Christ calls calls us to walk with him. So baptism, when we have baptism, baptism is a picture that when he died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose from the dead, we were raised with him. So that Paul would say in Romans 6, buried with Christ in his death, we are raised to walk in newness of life. Now, growing up a Baptist, uh, that's one of the great things I remember about doing baptisms. And even as a child watching uh, our pastor do baptisms, that would be the thing. that I, I love the picture. I, I still love doing immersions. I, I, I'm not an either or guy on baptism. That's another whole story. But when you stick that person underneath the water, that picture is a picture of being buried in the grave. And then you bring the person up out of the water. It's a picture of the person being raised with Christ. And the water is a symbol of cleansing. We don't baptize in milk or Coca-Cola. We baptize in water because it's a symbol of cleansing. And it's also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So you get, you get dunked. You get totally immersed in the presence of God. But my, ba- my pastor growing up would always baptize them. And then at the end, quote that verse in Romans. Buried with Christ in his death. We we're raised to walk in newness of life and that's something that we do every time we gather here we renew our commitment that was made over us at our baptism we're dead and we're buried we're raised and we're forgiven all of our trespasses all of our trespasses you know what the enemy loves to do the enemy loves to bring up your past trespasses he's called the accuser of the brethren oh you know you remember you did that you can never you can never get over that that's not what the grace of god is about We're made alive together with him, faith in the powerful working of God. Look at this. You who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Isn't that marvelous? So that when we speak absolution every Sunday, it's not just a momentary thing. We're declaring that Jesus dealt with everything on the cross. And that leads us to the last little thing here, the through hymn. Verse 15, and verse, verse 14 and 15. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. F.F. F. Bruce, the New Testament scholar, says the phrase literally means that I'm living my life under a mountain of bankruptcy. The debt I cannot pay. In fact, we had a chorus that I learned here at St. James. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to take my sins away. All debts canceled at the cross. Now, I want you to know it was costly. I want you to know. And the reality is you just don't cancel debts without somebody paying something. You don't cancel student loans without somebody else paying something, right? You don't just take away, oh, we're, we're just going to write that debt off. Somebody pays that debt. Somebody is going to pay that debt. And somebody has to pay the debt for your sin and for my sin. Let's not minimize or cheapen the reality of grace. Let's not minimize or cheapen that your debt being canceled costs God his very son. Nailed there on that cross. And when he said, it is finished, he could have said, it has been paid. Debt canceled, stamped, paid in full, nothing hanging over your life ever again because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had made a gu- guilty stain, but he washed it white as snow. All enemies defeated, and now ultimate victory. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphant, triumphing over them in him. In him, with him, through him. In him, we have God in our lives. In him, we have death removed. In him, we have resurrection life. With him, we're able to walk in victory. And through him, we overcome by faith. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Are you in him today? Are you walking with him by the Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing victory through his presence in your life? Let's take a deep examination at the grace and mercy and the debt that's been paid. Amen.